As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is wildly unacceptable. It's not just ugly. I find the condition of the property in question to be deplorable. Milwaukee city leaders say a long vacant shopping mall is a threat to public safety. But it's been a blighted eyesore that has been dangerous, um, deadly even. Firefighters have put out four fires there in just the past month. These men and these women have to go into this building repeatedly, putting their life at extreme risk. But efforts to tear down the decrepit old shopping center they have blocked every single attempt are still tied up in court. These actions are dangerous, they're reckless. This week on Open Record, the Battle of Northridge. the Fox 6 Studios. This is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm here with executive producer Sarah Smith. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Brian. We are joined this week by Fox 6's Brett Lemoyne as well. Welcome to the podcast again, Brett. Thank you for having me, Brian. So we are recording this episode on Wednesday, August 17th for release on Thursday, August 18th. Earlier this week, a Milwaukee County judge got the city of Milwaukee one step closer to ridding itself of a long-shuttered shopping mall. But Brett, as you've been reporting this week, that effort has been going on for years and it hasn't been an easy one. First of all, I kind of want to step back. For listeners who don't know, give us a little bit of history of, of Northridge Mall and why that location has become such a nuisance for Milwaukee city leaders. Well, Brian, I mean, this this saga of Northridge Mall dates back to before I was even born and probably a lot of your your listeners as well. Uh, this is something that's been just an ongoing issue for for the city in general. But Northridge Mall was was built in the in the 70s. And I think there was a plan to bring the interstate maybe a little bit closer to Northridge so that there was easier access to that location. You know, we think now that um, Mayfair and South Ridge and even to a lesser extent Brookfield Square are all kind of uh, pretty close proximity to the interstate and have easy access for shoppers. Northridge never really had that, and so I think it was kind of plagued from the start. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in this area. I remember going and shopping at Northridge Mall. It was a nice mall, um, and and it's just unfortunate that uh, in the the subsequent years, it's it's really uh, had a lot of uh, issues surrounding it. Well, and it's been closed since two thousand three. The 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 building or the mall shut down. So this is now nearly two full decades since that place shut down, but much of the structure is still there. And we've actually seen there have been some people who've gotten inside, gotten video that's gone viral on YouTube, sort of looking at sort of the ghost of the old mall. There've been a lot of issues with trespassers and things like that. If you look at it from the outside, there's all kinds of, you know, weeds and other things growing up through the concrete. It's been nearly 20 years. What has happened to that building? 
why is it still standing there and why is the city so upset about it now? Well, those are all really good questions and they're all questions that even the mayor of Milwaukee, Cavalier Johnson, has. There are so many unknowns about this case, uh, unfortunately, but here's what we do know. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the, a company called Black Spruce uh, purchased the building back in, I believe it was 2008. Uh, and there's not really a lot that's known about those owners. Uh, we, from what we understand, it's, it's a Chinese uh, firm or people that are based in China, at least. We don't even know if it's one person, a group. We just don't know. Um, and yeah, they had intentions uh, for the property. From what I understand, they kind of swooped in at the last minute uh, when when the, the, the Northridge site was uh, going under foreclosure and uh, ended up purchasing it. From what I recall in past Fox 6 reporting, uh, at the time, I think Penzi's Spices had eyed that location. They were going to have uh, some sort of uh, of factory or, or outlet that was going to be at that location, and Black Spruce effectively um, blocked that from happening by swooping in at the last minute and, and purchasing it. Um, but yeah, there, there has been a lot of, a lot of drama um, that has gone on since then. Um, you know, the city has sued Black Spruce. Um, Black Spruce has been delinquent in its, in its property tax payments, um, just a, a whole host of issues that have cropped up because of that. Well, and then even as most recent as 2019, and in my, you know, reading up on some of these stories to prepare for this podcast, I forgot about the whole, like, after issuing the raise order in 2019, and then the tragedy that happened there as they had workers come in to try to spruce stuff up. Yeah, and Sarah, that was kind of where I came in um, in terms of being a reporter here at Fox 6 because I had covered that. That was a, a really what a lot of elected officials at the time in 2019 said was the tipping point uh, in this whole saga. Um, there was a, a maintenance worker uh, who was there, who was there under the, the authorization of Black Spruce to do some work uh, and sadly was electrocuted. Um, and at the time, uh, then Alderwoman Shantia Lewis, um, you know, had, had kind of said this was the breaking point. This was the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of having to, to want to tear this building down. Um, obviously, there's been drama uh, kind of a, a tangent of that with with, with her and she's no longer an older woman and um, you know that that um, that district is not uh, there's no one in that seat right now to, to represent but uh, yeah that was really I think the the tipping point in a lot of ways when when someone sadly died ironically he had been hired by black spruce to go in and sort of clean the place up fix it up a little bit and because of the conditions and I believe there were vandals who had in fact, pull the copper wires out of that electrical box. He ends up touching the door to the electrical box and is electrocuted and killed. Um, obviously, you said that was a tipping point. What I recall, though, is there's all this reporting in 2019 about the city ordering the place to be knocked down, to be demolished. And here we are in 2022. I happen to live a little bit north of Northridge, not far, and I go, that's my Menards. There's a Menards on that site. Um, that the, the old mall property is actually partially owned by the city, partially owned by Menards, and then a good portion of that property is, is what's owned by Black Spruce, the old mall buildings that are there. But so I drive past it frequently, and it's impossible to go to Menards and not see the dilapidated buildings and the condition, and it seems to have gotten worse and worse over the years. 
So three years ago, they order it knocked down. I'm still driving by it all the time, and it's still there. Why is that building still there? Well, Black Spruce filed an appeal, and uh, essentially, I mean, the, the Reader's Digest version is is that it's been in, in legal limbo ever since. Uh, Black Spruce, f- from what I understand, for the last three years, always just did just enough uh, to, to please the court and to, to solidify what what they were supposed to do uh, in order to hold on to the property uh, in those in those three years, uh, and they have. Uh, now, behind the scenes, uh, the judge that was overseeing the case uh, is is no longer overseeing it, and, and just this week, Brian, as you know, and on Monday, uh, this issue was back in court in front of a new judge who took a little bit of a different perspective on this. Um, you know, he said that Black Spruce uh, intentionally uh, neglected this property during the appeals uh, with by saying Black Spruce argued that because they were under appeals, they didn't have to adhere to some of the guidelines that they were uh, instructed to do um, during these three years. And, and chief among them, Brian, was the fact that they were supposed to have 24-7 security at that location. And I think it's pretty obvious, uh, and it was certainly obvious to the judge on Monday, that that just has not been in the case. Well, and even just in the last month, as we talked about, I mean, you kind of heard it in the cold open that there have been a handful, several fires in just the last couple weeks. Um, but obviously, without any electrical connection in there, um, nothing's running to there. There's no water, no nothing. You know, how, what do the fire investigators think caused those? Yeah, well, because there is no um, electricity, uh, there's no gas, uh, Fire Chief Aaron Lipsky says it, it has to be vandals. It has to be someone that's intentionally setting these fires. And that's what they have found, as you said, over the last four weeks, Sarah. Uh, the fire department has been called four times in just the last month to that property. On Monday, uh, in front of the judge, a Milwaukee police officer testified that they've, Milwaukee police alone have responded 25 times just this year. And the, the officer said, uh, hey, you know, I've been with the department for a about four years and at least a hundred times MPD has been called to that location. So uh, that really speaks to it being a problem area. Uh, The fire chief um, just at the last fire uh, two weeks ago um, gave a pretty passionate plea uh, to the public to get this under control. If I sound irritated tonight, then you're hearing me. There are zero smoke detection systems. There are zero functioning fire suppression systems in this building. This is wildly unacceptable. Obviously, it creates a a health and safety risk, not only for, um, as Brian mentioned, the other tenants that are are in close proximity, i.e. Menards. Um, There's a clothing store that's right nearby. Um, But it also creates a huge huge, uh, serious threat to the firefighters that are covering it. I mean, think of it this way, Sarah, if you, if you close your eyes and you pretend that you're in a mall, right. And then you open them and it's completely black. There's no electricity. It's in the middle of the night. You're in a large open space and for firefighters to go in there and to not know 
you know, what is uh, decaying, what is safe, um, and to try and find someone who may or may not be in that building, uh, and then to deal with smoke as well. Um, you know, there were reports that the, the building likely has asbestos, um, so there's a health issue just in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the people that are, are going into this mall are obviously up to no good. Um, the, the fire chief said that there's uh, evidence of graffiti and um, at one point even someone let off some fireworks inside the building. So yeah, there, there's a, a safety component to this all around. You know, I, I have not I've not seen Chief Lipsky that sort of impassioned in what he was saying. What, what he was saying on the air, he's angry, he's upset, and he really made that clear uh, when he was speaking to the media after the most recent fire. You know, Brian, it, 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 that came, um, you know, just less than a week, right, before this court hearing on Monday. And I think that that played uh, a pretty significant role, if not the biggest role, in, in how the judge uh, ruled on Monday. And, and again, he said uh, he found Black Spruce to be in contempt uh, and ordered them until this Friday uh, at 5 p.m., so close of business, to have 24-hour security on the property. That's what they they had originally intended to do or were, were ordered to do uh, back in 2019 when when um, the, the raise order was issued. Uh, and they also have to clear up all of the debris. People have been dumping items, couches, furniture. Um, you know, it's it's been a, 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 a basically a, a wasteland of, of garbage. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, too, I mean, the, the weeds, it's, it's overgrown. So the judge says that has to be cleaned up. There needs to be security. And Black Spruce needs to submit in writing what they've done uh, by Friday, close of business. Otherwise, they will be facing a $2,000 fine every single day uh, that they continue to be in contempt. Well, and then the uh, the attorney for Black Spruce also, like, not being super forthcoming with any sort of comment or information. On Monday during the hearing, there was an opportunity for both the city and for Black Spruce to call witnesses and, and to, to make their case. Uh, Christopher Cloth, who represents Black Spruce, uh, opted to not call any witnesses, and he said very little during the proceedings um, and um, had no comment when we uh, approached him in the hallway after. After the fact, um, Sarah, one of the interesting things is, you know, there there have been reports that Black Spruce has hired attorneys in the past and not even paid them. Um, so, you, you know, th there is a mystery here t as to, you know, who actually is behind Black Spruce. I asked that question of, of Mayor Cavalier Johnson um, just last week. I said, you know, who is who is Black Spruce and what has the communication been with this company um, when when dealing with the city? And Mayor Johnson said they've had no direct communication with the owners of Black Spruce. The only communication that the city has has ever had with them uh, has been through attorneys in litigation. So there is a huge question mark as to um, what this company wanted with this this massive uh, plot of land on Milwaukee's north side. Um, you know, for a while we we had reported that there was intention to build some sort of Asian market uh, at that location. Um, that Black Spruce had wanted to to use that to to kind of have that 
that Asian market feel at, at that location. That never materialized. Um, the the mayor said um, when I spoke with him last week, he said, you know, all it was basically was talk. Uh, they submitted uh, uh, some renderings and and a, a limited proposal, but it never got off the ground. So there still is that that question as to why they want that property and why they've they've been so adamant to hold on to it for so long. This, as we mentioned, this was tied up in court for the past three years. And in fact, in March, the appeals court in Wisconsin actually sided with Black Screws, but it was really over a, a technicality. I and mean, this had to do with sort of how the city calculated the cost to repair the building versus the assessed value of the building. And there's some disputes over how they did those calculations. So it's back in court for them to sort of redo these calculations. Where is this going? Where does this head going forward? I know you said by tomorrow, Friday, the, they have to have this 24-hour security there. But what happens next? Is the city going to be able to get the buildings knocked down? And if so, what does the city want to see done with this property? Yeah, well, I, I think the the next... 24 hours here will be very telling as to <laughs> if if Black Spruce is going to comply here with with the court's uh, order. Um, but yeah, they the the judge on Monday said, okay, get in compliance by Friday. But uh, they also set uh, an October hearing for the raise order. So the judge now again, it's a new judge in this case. He said, enough is enough. Um, you know, we're not going to let this dangle for another two, three, 20 plus years, you know, they want to address this right away. And so in October, Black Spruce and the city will have uh, an opportunity to make their case to the judge uh, about the the raise order specifically. And I think if you read between the lines here, I think it, it, it it's obviously pretty clear that the judge, um, you know, has had enough. And I think this is probably going toward um, the building ultimately being torn down. Um, but that comes at a cost too, Brian. Um, you know, there were some reports that that was going to cost maybe $10 million, um, just to tear the building down. So, you know, who pays for that? The, the company that hasn't been paying its taxes or hiring security, uh, is it taxpayers? Um, you know, who's going to tear this building down? It comes at a significant cost, I think, obviously, because it's a huge building, but also, because, uh, as we said before, asbestos could be an issue. Um, so there's a lot of things that, you know, will need to be done to to ensure that, um, you know, those those particles are not flying through the air and causing additional harm. As I, was, I don't know if you're fans of the Netflix show Stranger Things, but maybe if they could just pull a mind flare out, they could demolish the whole thing and not have to pay anything for it. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, uh, I, I thought a lot about Stranger Things and, um, you know, there, there's a, a show on, on Apple Plus called Physical and even like Wonder Woman 1984, if you saw that, they all kind of fixate on the 1980s mall, right? And um, there is a fascination with it now because the, the, the malls in general, and I think this was one of the other contributing factors to, to Northridge's decline, obviously, is that, you know, malls are becoming a rarity in our society now. Um, um, you know, the, the um, Bayshore and, and uh, Mayfair have, have kind of stayed in the game. But, you know, you think of Grand Avenue downtown, um, you know, suffered suffered kind of a, a similar fate in a lot of ways um, here in, in Milwaukee. But, yeah, there is this fascination with with malls, 
with that time period too. And as you said, you know, people have been breaking in um, and and filming videos in there. Um, there was, I think it was in 2017, uh, there was a, a YouTuber uh, that actually got official permission to go in and create this like winter wonderland for kids. And he filmed some videos that went viral on online. So, um, you know, that is another problem though for the city because there is such a, a, a huge, you know, appetite for, for malls, for abandoned buildings, for buildings of that time period. And that may be another reason why people are, are going in there. But, uh, to your earlier point, you know, the mayor had said, yeah, that would be a great location to develop in, in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, they had the opportunity um, when when Penzies uh, had expressed interest years ago um, and that that obviously has has come and gone. But that would be a real a boon, I think, to the north side of Milwaukee if that location was developed. You think of all the other properties that are around there that are now abandoned, as yes. you said. I mean, Sarah, yes. we drive by every day uh, on our way to work, you know, um, just in that that yeah. location alone. I mean, there was the Toys R Us that was right across the street that has been vacant now since Toys R Us yeah. left. Um, you know, the, the Target. I used to shop there for my kids. Yeah. And you think of the, the mayor has talked about investment in parts of the city that need investment. That's one area they'd really like to see investment, but you can't do much when you've got this abandoned, decrepit building that really is holding things back. Yeah, definitely. And obviously when when the mall closed in in you know 20 years ago um you know it had a ripple effect throughout really that that whole area i mean you know there were other businesses the target the circuit city that was across the street to restaurants that have closed i mean we look just out our our windows at the office and we see um you know abandoned office buildings just across the street from us on brown deer road and um the the coles department store across the street that that left so um you know i mean it it has had i think a pretty significant impact um you know on on uh, the north side of milwaukee on brown deer in general and um yeah i think the city would really like to have that area developed in in some way shape or form and I think that's a good time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. But we know who has prepared it, and that is Sarah Smith, who has the question again this week. What do you have for us, Sarah? Oh, boy. Today we have a fill in the blank. Okay. And it's you know kind of funny because as I'm watching you guys on Zoom right now, neither of you are in your home or at the station, you're, you know, in the car, at the courthouse, all that. Anyway, so this question is, people shouldn't be allowed to take phone calls blank. Well, I, f I feel like sometimes be allowed is strong, but I do... Oh, no, this is a hard and fast rule. This is a hard and fast? Well, because my, my thing yes, was going to be in the grocery store aisles. Rules. My thing was going to be in the grocery <laughs> okay. store aisles because as I'm walking down, like, the dairy aisle and then someone asks what seems to be a question to me and then I realize, no, 
they're as they're getting eggs out, they're talking to their husband or wife or whatever it might be. Um, but I, I guess that's more preference. I, I, it's not that's not a hard ban. I mean, the the a public restroom you should not be taking calls. <laughs> if you're in the stall, uh, I, I don't want to hear you talking inside the stall. <laughs> Well, and the worst now is, like, everyone's got those, like, AirPods or whatever the heck. And so, like, you never, like, at least before you would know because they'd have, like, the headphone attached to the mic attached to the string. So at least you'd kind of know. And they'd have to hold the little mic up to their mouth. At least you'd maybe know they were on the phone. But now they just talk. And I'm looking and I'm like, are you talking to me? But my answer to this is people shouldn't be allowed to take phone calls on speakerphone at the gym. Uh, That's my final answer. Speakerphone anywhere. Unless you're in your house, you should not be allowed to talk on speakerphone. It's obnoxious. I, I concur. Yeah, I would. I would add uh, public transportation to that. So you know, oh, when you're God. when you can't move, <laughs> when you can't get away from it, when you're on a bus or an airplane or anything, and you have to sit there and listen to it, that's that's too much. I do think if you're on speakerphone in a confined public space, then everyone else is allowed to chime in on your conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's not rude at that point. If I have an opinion, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to tell you what I think because you That's have included me in your conversation. I'm part of it now. I just I like at what point do you think that I don't know. I I mean, there's just social rules and norms. And at what, what point do you think that's OK? You know, I just maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is that or do, do we have a series of these or is this the one this week? No, that's it. Okay, I wait, just want to know. <laughs> no, no, I think I think we're all in full agreement. I just I think it, it doesn't matter the circumstance. I think it's it's more a matter of if. Your conversation is in such close proximity to me that it's going to interrupt whatever I'm doing. Um, it, that's why I say either either include me in the conversation or take it private. Uh, at least take it off speakerphone. I would want Brian Paulson to jump in and, and weigh in on <laughs> my conversation. You're the exception, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> he probably has valid points. <laughs> He played devil's advocate. Uh, honestly, I think the shirt looks great on you. You should you can, should consider it. Yeah. All right. Well, I, that's a good one. I think we're this is this is one of the rare ones that I think we we all agree full agreement. There's no there's really no uh, dispute on that one. Now, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox Six News, please send us an email to Fox Six Investigators at Fox.com. That is Fox the number six investigators at fox.com. Brett, thanks a lot for being on the podcast again. We uh, love having you as always. Thank you for having me. And Sarah, thank you again. As always, thank you to, of course, executive producer Sarah Smith, to producer Pete, to our editor Dave Machuda. And of course, please subscribe to Open Record if you have not done that already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.